and welcome to another edition of the War Room here on KOKC Radio. I'm your host Sean Fry. I got a fun guest for me today. Uh, it's Jared McMaster's, the new Chanute Tribune sports editor. They are the sister paper of the Parson Sun, where I work at over there. Jared, welcome to KOKC. Welcome to the welcome uh, to this show, and it's been good to have you in Southeast Kansas for the last few weeks. How are we doing today? Uh, I'm doing great today. Uh, I've been recharging this weekend, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy to be here. And uh, yeah, everything's going well. Uh, you know, so you're a Steelers fan. I'm a Chiefs fan. We're both pretty happy right now. You felt probably a little more comfortable over the course of the game. The Steelers, or at least in the second half, the Steelers manhandled the Bills in the second half. I had to sweat it out with the Chiefs and the Browns. <laughs> that was a stressful game. Uh, but we're both happy at least. Around. Did you actually get a chance to watch it? I watched uh, some of the first half. Um, I'm, and I'm we're still... pretty disheartened, I would imagine. Yeah, and then that, that was when uh, the thought came into my head, all right, it's time to uh, run to Walmart and take care of some stuff in my new house, and I'll use that as an excuse not to uh, see this if this goes the wrong way. But, um, yeah, I mean, T.J. Watt looks like he earned every penny of that contract, oh, yeah. and that, that defense looks legit this year, so it should be good. Uh, you know, the, the Chiefs themselves, man, like, so I've been, I genuinely have been a Chiefs fan my whole life. My, my family, you know, is, they're originally from Kansas. I was a military kid, so we moved around a lot. But my dad went to K-State. And so I was always a displaced Chiefs fan when we would move around. So when I got a job here in Kansas, I was very happy to, uh, you know, be back in essentially a Chiefs television market. Uh, got to watch the game today. That was stressful. But man, Patrick Mahomes, he's, <laughs> we've never had a guy like him, and I feel so like spoiled watching that guy play. I am kind of curious, you're, you're, so to give listeners a bit of a background on you, you're a North Carolina University graduate over there in Chapel Hill on the East Coast. You're from North Carolina. Mebbin, North Carolina is your hometown? Yes, yes, that's correct. Uh, that's in about, that's, I looked it up at one point, it's in about central North Carolina, Basically, yep. yeah, it's actually it's about thirty minutes uh, west of Chapel Hill, so it's okay. real, real close in that area. Uh, so you're from a community like Chanu, you know they have what Mebbin's a town of about what twelve thousand right now. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Uh, similar size to Chanu, but someone on the outside who's a Steelers fan, you got you know. Well, I'm curious, what you, do you think? There's too much hype around Mahomes, or do you think it's a, uh, or, or 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 are you as in awe of what he does as us Chiefs fans get to enjoy every week? No, I, I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely in that group that just thinks he is uh, one of the most special players in the game and everything. And mm-hmm. um, honestly, that whole offensive unit, you, you look at this offseason and we were getting, oh, Kyle Pitts could be the next Travis Kelsey type comps. And then you, you watch the game today and, and you, you watch, realize you actually watch Travis Kelsey play yeah, and you, for, you forget things like that or um, that touchdown uh, that uh, Tyreek Hill had where he's just sprinting across the, the other side of the field and burning the Browns secondary. And you just realize how, uh, how talented that offensive group is and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, talk a little, let's talk a little Southeast Kansas a little bit. First off, let, let's have a breakdown of what our first Friday night was for football. All the lightning delays <laughs> and just the, the true just shenanigans that we had to go through. Uh, I'm curious, your first Friday night covering high school football in the state of Kansas for the Chanute Tribune, what is your, what's kind of, and you've covered it for two weeks now, what's kind of your initial takeaway on the football scene, on the high school football scene in this state? It's, uh, it really is honestly like a, a real life version of uh, Friday Night Lights, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's, been, it's been a great experience. Um, the first game I covered was uh, Ava, the school out of Missouri, um, traveled to Humboldt, uh, I think it was like a... Interesting opponent, because Humboldt had to pick them up late. 
because their original opponent blue stem, if I'm not correct, right, right. if I'm not, if I'm not, so it was blue stem. Uh, blue stem had to pull out because they had a COVID outbreak, and so uh, humble had to find an opponent late, and they pulled this team out of Missouri that I never heard of, which I haven't heard of a lot of Missouri teams. If, if you're not in Kansas, I, I cover my beat, <laughs> and I know very little outside of it. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think they're three and a half or four hours away. Um, uh, Coach Wyrick over at Humboldt told me that they basically set this uh, set that game up the Wednesday before, so they mm-hmm. really only had Thursday's practice to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Which so today, but in the, in, yeah, 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 yeah. To be fair, I'm I'm just uh, yeah, just to clarify everything, but um, but yeah, that was uh, that was a bit of a slaughter. It was uh, 45-0 at halftime for Ava and. Um, they brought in, you know, the second and third string in the second half, and it, it played out to forty-five to zero. But mm-hmm. you mentioned the lightning delays and everything. Uh, that was one of the only games I think that didn't have any sort of delays or anything. You guys yeah. never got hit with a delay over there in Humboldt, huh? No, That's even though it just kept going south of you guys a little bit. Yeah, you could look off in the distance, um, and you could actually like at points uh, during the game see the lightning in the distance. And you know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm just sitting there thinking, all right, it's 45-0 at halftime. The lightning's going on. I think they're probably just going to cancel the rest of the game or something. And but they got through. They, but, they sludged through. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They did. And uh, yeah, it played out 45-0 and everything. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was about how that game went. I want I want to go deep with you a little bit about what I think is is just an interesting first two weeks, and that is the Chanute Blue Comets football team. They lose to a circle team in week one that was not good last year. That was a team that went one and six the year prior. Circle, to me, was not a high-quality football team coming into the year. And Chanute, while they may, they're not state title contenders by any stretch of the imagination, they were a quality team last year and they, had, and they had potential to be a quality team this year. They go lose that week one game to circle, and I was like, man, that's a, that is a letdown and not a good sign of things to come. They turn right around and beat... Class 5A Pittsburgh in week two, which is one of the big, that was one of, you know, two big upsets in our area this week. And I want to talk about St. Paul Oswego here later in the show. But the fact that Chanute beats Pittsburgh, that that was eye-opening to everybody in this area. It, uh, honestly, I'm not trying to insult you. It's eye-opening to everybody around you. You're still new and kind of getting used to the <laughs> dynamics of it. But we watched Chanute beat Pittsburgh and thought, wow, how did they pull that off? And to me, I'm even in more shock after they dropped that first game to to uh, to circle. You were there at the Chanute Pittsburgh game. Take me through what you saw and kind of what your takeaway is on them right now. Yeah, that game. Uh, honestly, going in, even for someone like myself who you know isn't from the area and everything, just going into that environment and everything at uh, Hutchinson Field, you can just tell um, that this is going to be a little bit of a David and Goliath battle mm-hmm. uh, in that matchup because. You know, they they had a great turnout of fans there um, at Pittsburgh. And, um, you know, they, they just had a, a sense of a, a swagger about them during the game where they felt like they were going to get the win early. And then... Um, Which I had watched Pittsburgh the week before when they played Lebec County and Pittsburgh ran away from them early. Like, Pittsburgh dominated that game 28 So I was like, okay, Pittsburgh's not a bad team. But, but go on. Yeah, and then I think... Uh, yeah, it ended 0-0 at the end of the first quarter, and, you know, I'm just sitting there thinking, okay, well, the Chanute defense, both defenses were doing very well. Um, I'm just thinking, I don't I don't know how much longer they can hold this out, but it ended up being, you know, a, a 21-7 final score, and um, 
the Pittsburgh defense uh, had a inter- uh, pick six, and that was the only touchdown they scored in the game. Their offense wasn't able to really get anything going. And um, Coach Frizzell with uh, Chanute, we had, we had been talking over the week about um, he was a little disappointed in his offensive line after that first game at Circle, and that was something they had really been uh, working on at practice. And it really showed in this Pittsburgh game when they were able to create holes for running back Ty Leedy, and he gets mm-hmm. – gets, Ty Leedy, a good athlete over there. Oh, yeah, f- fantastic. Uh, plays, plays linebacker, I believe, on defense also. And, um, yeah, you could just tell he, he rushed for, I think, when I counted it by hand, it was around 115 yards or something. Um, during the game, had one of their three touchdowns, and um, he he looked a lot better, especially behind uh, an, an improved offensive line. You keep live stats during your games, in addition to taking photos. I do, I do. <laughs> oh man, you're you're putting me to shame. Don't make me look bad out here. <laughs> Luckily, most of the schools I cover, they take at least some form of stats, and I track scoring plays mainly because I tweet them out. My Twitter feed is a lot of what my notes are look like. What yeah, <laughs> look like these days. But uh, you'd be surprised. I actually have. You know, Friday nights, I have my Twitter feed up, and I'm referencing it as I'm typing up a recap. But um, uh, I'm curious what you th- – so you talked about maybe some changes in the offensive line. When you talked to Coach uh, Cleet Frizzell at Chanute after the Pittsburgh game, what was his kind of reaction to just the, the very quick turnaround, which was a loss at, at Circle and then a win at Pittsburgh? Did, did he seem like that how quick a turn, how quickly that corner had been turned? Was there a reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, you could just tell um, as soon as the as soon as the clock hit zero, just um, his reaction with the the fans in the stands that had traveled, you know, an hour to Pittsburgh and everything, and mm-hmm. um, just his embrace with Ty Leedy and some other guys on the team and everything. After it was a, uh, you could just tell it meant everything to him, and um, you know, they they were celebrating by they were dumping the ice water on him and everything. They had um fans coming to the edge of the stands to high five him and everything mm-hmm. and you could just tell that uh during especially during his uh post game speech to the team also you could just tell that um it, it meant a lot to them and, and this was the level that they wanted to be at this season and this is what their expectations were uh gut check question what is the team you either at new county or anywhere in your coverage area at any level what's the team you've been most impressed by in your first three weeks oof um I would have to go with the uh, the men's soccer team, I think, because Ooh. at Neosho, because um, Neosho County to be just so everybody's clear, right? Neosho County yeah. men's soccer. Yeah, they uh, they've been a, a solid group so far, and they have a ton of talent from overseas and everything. I think almost virtually every player on that team is from Europe or South America, and they have a ton of uh, background experience there, mm-hmm. and. They're, they've they've really under the new coach Elliot Chatterton um, in his first year they've really um, learned how to make adjustments on the fly because there's been you know there's been plenty of games where the first ten or fifteen minutes they don't they may not necessarily come out on the right foot and start off as strong as as they're capable of playing but with his guidance and and the talent on the field they they make plenty of adjustments during the game and it's really impressive to see uh, in the second half their depth and the once those adjustments have taken place the level of uh, talent they play at. And, and admittedly, and I don't want to get too down, we're, we're not here to uh, just completely demoralize any particular team or group or anything like that, but the women's team at Neosha County has been struggling to be as diplomatic as possible, uh, and, and Coach Chatterton coaches them as well. 
And oftentimes you're going to see them on the same night. You see the women play, then you see the men play, and you're seeing a head coach deal with the same thing as well. He's having to coach two different programs, two different groups at the same time. I'm curious how you think he juggles that and what you think the difference is as, you know, what steps the women need to take to become competitive and that maybe the men have already taken. Yeah, that um, that the women's team is interesting because um, in addition to what you're talking about in, the, in that gap of uh, success that they've seen, they've also been dealing with some injuries this this year. I think uh, their starting goalkeeper got a concussion in the first game, and um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if she's uh, returned yet. I don't think she has, but... Um, so they've been missing her, and uh, like you said, they've I think they've conceded uh, four or five goals at least every game, and it has been a struggle. But if you look back at last year, this is a program that, um, yes, they were still giving up that same amount of goals every game, but they only scored two goals all of last season mm-hmm. in um, 13 regular season matches, I believe. And uh, you look at it now, we're three or four games into the season, and um, they've already they've already matched that that total. So. To see that progress on the offensive end, um, as Chatterton told it to me one time, it's uh, it's it's a lot more impressive to him to see that they're scoring goals on the offensive end during this this rebuild year that he is he's called it and um, making that progress there and then you know sorting out the defense uh, after they've reached do, that. Do you think that's what What do you think about the dynamic that he does have to coach both programs and I, and you know whether he's capable or competent to do it. To me, isn't really the question. Do you think that's fair to both programs that to have the same head coach on both sides? Um, to me, I'm somewhat surprised. It, it to me, it'd be like asking someone to coach both baseball and softball. Yeah, I am. I am a little surprised. Um, they have. Um, they do have an assistant coach on both teams. Also, I'm a little surprised they just. Didn't... Is it the diff- Is it a different assistant? It's the same assistant for both teams. Okay. Also, so I'm a little surprised they didn't just split it up and do um, you know one coach mm-hmm. for each team. But uh, but yeah, at the same time. Um, you know, I if you go to those games and you're there, I, I usually when I'm taking photos and everything, I'm usually walking behind the benches and I can yep. hear their conversations and stuff during the game. And it's pretty obvious that most of that that group on the the women's team um, respects him as a coach and a leader, and they 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 have a mutual respect and understanding there, and um, they have uh, his support and he has their support. So I think in terms of the dynamic he has with the women's team, also. Um, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely going in the right direction. I think once they, you know, have some more time to to build on the on the pitch and everything and see some better results, I think it'll it'll only go upward from there. So, well, hey Jared, I'm going to keep prying your brain, um, kind of about your initial react initial impressions of this uh, region of of your of your new job here. But we got to go to a quick break. You want to stick around? Absolutely. All right, we'll be right back with Jared McMasters. He's the Chanute Tribune sports editor here on the War Room on KLKC. I'm your host Sean Fry. Don't go anywhere. And we're back here on the War Room here on KOKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry. I've got Jared McMasters with me. He is the new Chanute Tribune sports editor. Everybody go give him a follow on Twitter. Subscribe to the Parson Sun and the Chanute Tribune. Subscribe to all your local papers if you're listening to this. Jared, one thing, you know, I, I talked to you about this on the phone when I was interviewing you for the job. And we were talking about Neosha County Athletics a little bit. I, I genuinely believe, and it's a pretty consensus opinion is that the Jayhawk conference is one of the better junior college conferences in the country. You're going to see some high quality athletics roll through there. And, uh, you know, you've seen a nationally ranked volleyball team play at Neosha County under Marisa Compton, the Neosha County Panthers doing very well right now. You've seen some college soccer a little bit. Uh, you know, Hutchinson community college here in Kansas, they won the football national title back this spring, um, at the junior college level. 
I'm curious what, what your takeaway is just from college athletics at, at the junior college level in Kansas and the Kansas Jayhawk conferences, just from the little bit of a taste you've gotten so far. Yeah, I think um, the experience that sticks out immediately is uh, watching Cali come to uh, Neosha County for their volleyball match. And I think it was number three Cali versus number 15 or 18. Something like that, some, yeah. Somewhere around there for um, Neosha. And just seeing... Um, the skill from both sides, uh, from both sides in that match and everything. And, um, you know, even for a number 15 team, uh, like Neosho, um, losing in straight sets to Cali, just seeing that talent gap there and everything and, um, seeing what all these programs have to offer is, has been really interesting. I think, you know, one thing that I've grown to like about covering, you know, high school and then junior college athletics in this state is, so, so I went to Kansas State University. I was a manager for the Wrens basketball program, and I worked for the student paper as well. You worked for the student paper at the at North Carolina. So, I mean, we covered Big 12 in the ACC. You know, we're not going to see, you know, Zion Williamson or Andrew Wiggins roll through Parsons, Kansas, and play a basketball game. I don't think any of us expect that. But at the same time, one, we're seeing some pretty high-quality athletics, and two, there is nowhere near as much red tape. I would imagine anytime you wanted to interview a UNC athlete, you had to have the school president verbally agree to it, as well as all ACC, you know, the express written consent of the Atlantic Coast Conference. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you would you would think uh, Roy Williams was like Joe Biden trying to get an interview with him. But, uh... <laughs> but I mean, is it refreshing at all after dealing with, I don't want to say dealing with that because I'm sure you enjoyed it a lot covering that level of athletics and developing those relationships. Is it refreshing at all to not have as much red tape to go through? Just just to have the coach's cell number and be like, yo, what are you up to? Can I come over? Or what, can I come interview you or whatever? Yeah, I was uh, I was actually just thinking about this over the weekend after the uh, Chanute-Pittsburgh football game. And, um, you know, when that game ends and everyone's celebrating and everything and, and uh, Coach Frizzell is high-fiving people in the stands and stuff and, you know, running through your mind, you're thinking, okay, I've got to get this interview for this story yeah. set up and you're just kind of scrambling around trying to talk to people and stuff and it it really is this sort of uh this beautiful chaos in a sense that uh <laughs> sure you don't have the um you know the the tools and resources like live stats and video you might have when you're covering a uh you know a division one college basketball there's not game an entire sports information department <laughs> exactly exactly but at the same time you you do get that one-on-one personal uh connection that's just it's, it's just uh unreplaceable compared to the a, a more prominent school like a UNC. Do you feel like uh, do you feel like you're integrating well into your beat so far in your community? Have you had any resistance from any coaches or any or acceptance from any coaches? Anybody anything in particular stood out to you? No, I would say uh, you know every every pretty much every coach uh, I've talked to and everything has been fantastic. Um, Chanute's <laughs> Chanute's girls tennis coach uh, Michael De La Torre has been um, incredibly nice and welcoming. He's been. He's been one. Of the, he's one of the more helpful people in this area, especially in, in, in on the tennis side. That yeah. will never change. Yeah. So quick, uh, quick shout out to him. But but yeah, like I said, every, everyone's been um, very open and welcoming. I think some people at first they they see my North Carolina area code and they they might think I'm trying to sell them car insurance or something. But but uh, once once people uh, we have a conversation and everything, it's been great. Yeah. So I have a Virginia area code on my on my cell phone. That that was the same. Number. I went to high school in the Northern Virginia area. And I haven't changed my number ever since. There's no need to. But I run into the same thing. Nobody ever 
freaking answers the phone if, if I know they don't have my number, if I'm like getting their number <laughs> for the first time. So I always text them first and I'm like, this is Sean Fry from the Parsons Sun. I know it's a Virginia area code. Please call me back or whatever. Or then I'll call them right away. But <laughs> you, unless you change your number, you're going to deal with that for the rest <laughs> of your life, which pick your poison. Uh, right. And I pick the poison of dealing with it for the rest of my life. Uh, you know, you've seen, uh, you know, I, and I mentioned this at the top of the show, uh, St. Paul beating Oswego. Oswego was a team last year that made a fairly deep playoff run and brought most of that core back. And St. Paul was a team that didn't win a lot of games and had a really down year. They brought a lot of that core back, and they were expected to be a little better. St. Paul played for a state championship four, four or five years ago. Exciting exciting season for them, but they experienced it. In eight-man football, you're either really good or you're not very good. There, <laughs> there's no in-between because you're in a – it's such a – I mean, you're dealing with schools that only have 50, 60 kids in them. So unless you have a strong core, unless you just happen to have a class that's peaking – it's going to be tough for you. I was extremely shocked by that. And by the way, Matt Resnick, our boy Matt, has had to deal with the two biggest circuses <laughs> in week in week one. He's at Erie Cherryville for football, where they had like I think three separate lightning delays and a power outage, and they kept pushing through the game that ended at like eleven thirty. And then he has to go to that St. Paul Oswego game in week two, where we see a hundred and I think it was one hundred and thirty-two points or something like that combined scored. 68-134. Just bonkers. Uh, you know, obviously, the, the context of that whole game, I'm sure you're still getting integrated to a little bit, but you're going to see an eight-man football game involving St. Paul not in not too long. Have you seen eight-man football before? And, and what's maybe, what are your maybe expectations of it? Yeah, no, I've actually, uh, I've actually never covered or, or seen eight-man football Um Based on based on uh, Matt's experience uh, with with the last game, I, I I'm throwing all my expectations out the window at this point. But um, but yeah, I'm excited to get out there and uh, and get that experience under my belt and everything. And it, it should be interesting. To give you a context of what I was expecting out of that game, so Matt was gonna Matt and he ended up doing it. He filed his story from the Parsons Sun office here in town, and so I expected that game to be over by halftime. In Kansas, the rule is an eight man football. If you're up by 45 or more points, once the second half starts or whenever, once it's up to 45, the game ends right there. That's the mercy rule. 45 points at or after halftime. And that's what I thought was going to happen. I thought that game was going to be over by halftime. And so I called my editor and I was like, "We need." I know the Parsons Sun office is locked right now because nobody was there. And because I was the last one out. And so I locked the door behind me and I was like, I don't know when anybody's going to be at the Parsons Sun, but Matt might beat us all there, and he doesn't have a key to the building. So can someone? will someone be there? Can someone let him in? And I coordinated with my editor just to make sure that everything was good to go. He ended up having the last game that finished last out of all of us. <laughs> I was done with my recap before his game ended. <laughs> and he, and eight-man football can be fun. You see a lot of blowouts, but when you see good teams play each other, it's competitive. And... Like and you know, I just said I thought St. Paul was going to get blown out. Keith Watrick, their head coach, he's a friend of the show. He's a, he's a friend to all media. He's he's easy to work with. So uh, and so, congratulations to St. Paul on that. We got about a minute and a half. Uh, Jared, I, what I want you to do is I want you to tell the Southeast Kansas region 
what to expect out of you as a reporter? What's your message to the region and, and your readers in, Chinoo, in the Chinoo area in particular? What to expect out of Jared McMaster's as a sports editor? Yeah, so um, I think my big, uh, the goal I try and, and uh, approach when, whenever I cover events and things like that, um, you know, obviously it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty big coverage area, so I won't be at every event, but the, the games and everything that I'll be at, um, you know, my goal is to give y'all a product that you can't get from just reading a box score or, you know, um, hearing about the game in a 30-second conversation and passing um, from your neighbor the next morning, you know, I, I want to give you all the stories that the, the reporting details and the, the storylines that, um, you know, only people who are really embedded in this community and everything um, will know about and be able to uh, do justice. So that's that's my goal for for everything. There we go. And, and that, that's a good approach. That That's why we hired you. Uh, <laughs> also, very pleased that you're a Kanye West fan. When Donda dropped on a Sunday morning at seven o'clock in the morning here, I <laughs> I was getting ready to go to bed because I had just been up all night and for whatever reason I, I had had trouble sleeping that night. And all of a sudden Donda drops and I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to listen to this two hour <laughs> Kanye West album before I go to sleep. Uh, so I, I, you know, to a pair of Kanye West fans who are from the East Coast reporting on uh, reporting on sports in Southeast Kansas. So I, I think we're going to make a good team. Uh, I've enjoyed working with you so far, and I think the community, from what I've heard from the community, I, I have asked coaches and a few people I know there, what's kind of your initial takes on Jared over there, and they seem to like you. I haven't gotten a bad word yet. So, <laughs> That's great to hear. Uh, that'll do it for the War Room here on KOKC. Thank you, Jared, for coming on. I'm excited for the rest of the year to unfold. Uh, if you, Like I said, if you ever need me or you have an open door to this show, you want to come on and, and get something off your chest, Studio's always open. Uh, uh, everybody still stay safe. God bless. Get vaccinated. And let's keep sports going. And that'll do it for the war room.